The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi, it's Matt Jolly from warbirdradio.com. Listen, I am thrilled to have Dave Homewood as part of our broadcast family and bring your stories, the stories of the RNZAF, heard right here on Wings Over New Zealand to our global audience. Thanks for listening. I hope to hear from you sometime at warbirdradio.com. This is Extended, the ETOPS Aviation Podcast. Here's Peter Johnson. We're in front of the Merlin. Can you tell us a little bit about the aircraft? What aircraft did you fly before? Uh, Soho 22. Right, okay. That's quite an interesting aircraft. Mm-hmm. What was that like to fly? Faster. Yeah. <laughs> Gareth Stringer. Make no bones about it. This is still a very capable aircraft. The cockpit's very cramped. You've got leg restraints on. You're sat on a seat that's got explosives in it. Tim Robinson. Also the A400M, got to go inside and uh, have a poke around with. Just uh, taking me on the trip of our lifetime in a F-18F Super Hornet. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. Extended! The Wings Over New Zealand show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Fly DC3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC3 Dakota and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. In this episode, I recently attended the number 75 squadron reunion that marked 100 years of the squadron. It was held in Tauranga at the Classic Flyers Museum. I had the opportunity over the weekend to meet many, many squadron members of the past, right back to the wartime years and right up till the end when the squadron was disbanded in 2001. I also had the pleasure to record a few of those stories and memories and that's what this episode's all about. 
I want to thank the number 75 squad and association for this opportunity. The event was held in a large hangar at the museum and this made recording difficult when there was a lot of people in there and a lot of vibration and echoes. So please bear with me with the uh, sound quality, but this is exactly how it sounded at the event. In this first interview session, I sat down with four Lancaster crew members who were all on the squadron in 1944. That was an amazing pleasure and privilege. We start off here sort of midstream, where Alan John, who had been a bomb aimer, asked Jack Meehan if he was on the squadron at the same time and they had the same squadron commander. Yeah. But Alan was asking, were you on the squadron when Leslie was the CO? Yes, oh yes, yes. You were when Leslie was Oh, Leslie, yes, yes, yes. That's right, he was the CO. Colin Glossop was my uh, pilot's name. He came from Ash Burton. Oh, uh, Glossop. Glossop. Oh. Colin Glossop. I joined up from uh, Christchurch. I was in Christchurch. Oh, yes, yeah. I was born in Christchurch. Were you? Oh, yeah. Well, it was a good, good spot. 90 odd huh? years ago. <laughs> wow. It's a long time. Ninety-six, coming up. Well, I, I'm sitting here with uh, four veterans of the 75 Squadron from the Lancaster era. Uh, on my left I've got Ron Mayhill. Hi Ron. Hello. Next is uh, John Swale. Uh, hello to you. And uh, the next is uh, Jack Meehan. Yeah, welcome to, to uh, Tauranga. Thank you Jack. And last on my right is uh, Alan John. That's right, that's me. So All in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> So, gents, if I just go from left to right, can you tell me uh, just your ages? I am 92. 93. 95. I'm, uh, what am I? About 93, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm my 93. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, you guys were all on the squadron, um, 1944, 45? That's right. Yep. 44. Yep, 44. Yep. Who was, the, who was the first? Would you have been the earliest, uh, uh, Ron? Came in on D-Day, and uh, we flew some very exciting trips uh, in the Normandy area until the weather got a bit broken up and longer nights, and we flew into Germany. But for the very exciting part of Normandy, it was just unbelievable going across from Dover to Calais there were boat, 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 you could hardly see any water. There was certainly a huge build-up. And for once the Navy didn't fire at us. They knew we were coming over in their area. <laughs> it, it was an extraordinary experience. And we were on the, John and I were both on the first daylight mission, which is called Villers Bocage. And usually we were flying at night. And we just flew our own directions, our own height. And we were just compared with the Americans who are in immaculate formation, we just flew shambles. Yes, um, um, and we, uh, we had to also avoid the American B-17s because if we looked, if you didn't look out, you'd find yourself below an American B-17 as, as we did with the bomb doors open. <laughs> and we had to get moving quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our first trip, Villas Bacage, first daylight for years, 
we got to the target and there was cloud. So the master bomber said, orbit port. And we were shambles. We had to orbit port. Our gunner here found planes above, planes below. Yeah. In a real traffic jam. <laughs> That's right. And we, we all did orbit port somehow without touching each other. And we bombed and we had a, a very good celebration afterwards when Montgomery sent a signal, well done, you hit your target. Well, we had to. We had to bomb very, very accurately because our own troops were very close and we did hit the enemy. I think that surprised uh, uh, Bomber Harris too. He thought we weren't capable of doing that, but we were. Right. And that actual uh, operation was in support of the Army to help them ca carry on forward? It was, it? just after D-Day. Uh, things were very critical. We had a bridgehead, but we were vulnerable. And, and of course we were waiting for the German reinforcements to come up. But Hitler was obsessed with the idea that the bombing, the enlightenment were up north further. And we were untouched for a while. And we did have a, a big operations there, and we did help them. So. Right, right. So um, when did you come onto the squadron, Jack? Uh, in uh, February 44. Okay, all right. Yes. So uh, we, we changed over from uh, uh, Stirlings and uh, we finished our tour, well the first tour of 30 trips uh, in uh, about a week before Christmas 44. So you, you were on the uh, D-Day op as well then? Yes, yes. What, what are your memories of it? Uh, well, too busy really to, uh, as, as well as operator, uh, uh, too busy to be able to look out and see everything, just got glances of it, you know. Uh, it was work first before play, and uh, or you wouldn't call it play really, but uh, it was uh, something different and something I never wanted to see again. Absolutely. Mm. And so, Alan, you were uh, you were a bomb aimer, weren't you? Yeah. And, and I'm second navigator. All right. Because I helped the navigator when I wasn't stuck down the nose. But uh, it was an interesting war, I'll admit. But I didn't think it was. It was quite as as frightening as I'd have expected, and uh, but I I must say I was glad I was mixed up in it because it gave me a bit of history that uh, we wouldn't have got otherwise. Right. But it was quite good. But I was our CEO uh, for. Some of the time was uh, Wing Commander Leslie, and I won't stretch that one any further because I would have to get my revolver out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, luckily he didn't remain on the squadron when I completed my, my ops. And uh, 
but it was an interesting exercise, a risky one, I'll admit. But if you saw your way through it, you um, had an experience that you wouldn't find again in life. Well, I wouldn't. I would hope not, because it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. Um, cream on your porridge or anything of that nature and uh, but I visited quite a few of the places after the war at the end and I uh, was glad I had because it gave me a very good idea of what we were up against and the people we were mixing with were the people we were hoping to shoot down uh, a bit earlier but um, they finished up as good friends and, and I think a bit more emphasis should be on the fact we should all be, be friends not wanting to shoot the hell out of everybody but we we uh, we did what we had to do, and uh, we didn't do it with any great regret, because uh, we we knew a lot about all the earlier horrible things that were done by uh, by the Germans, particularly for the prisoners of war and the, the, the Jewish population that they set out to, to get rid of. And I must say that I'm glad we were in at the, at the end because I only just managed to fit in a, a complete uh, operation called the mops and uh, I just got in in time for that but our plane was shot at we we had a few times we had the odd um, lumps of shell whistling through the aircraft but luckily not so serious that it could put us out of action so uh, uh, really, our experience of the war was not not anything frightening. It was a job I would not like to have escaped. I was glad we got into it. What were the scariest moments for you, Jack? Oh, the Ruhr. Anywhere in the Ruhr was the the worst spots, I think, to, as far as any targets are concerned. Yeah, we never used to like those sort of places. Uh, but we had no option. You just went there when you came back. Trusted the luck that you were going to get back. Do you gentlemen agree, was the Ruhr the worst part? With the which? The Ruhr? The Ruhr Valley. The Ruhr Valley? Oh yeah, that, that was called Happy Valley. Yeah, happy uh, better, yeah. It, it was a cruel place because uh, 
like Gelson Kirken, uh, oil refinery, very, very heavily defended. Uh, there are so many industries in a small place, and the fighters were there very active all the time, as well as the night fighters. Now, Happy Valley was, was something you had to try and avoid and never go over there by mistake. <laughs> uh, I particularly remember two, two we did two statins, and statin was uh, pretty heavily defended. So we also got a bit of a pacing, but were, I think one of the worst ones we got was at um, Le Havre and the submarine pens when we got uh, really uh, pasted by a flak and we basically uh, had two engines on fire and we uh, crept across the channel and managed to uh, do a, 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 a what we call it a prang on the Amer on an American uh, Thunderbolt uh, forward, forward base uh, and they patched us up but the aeroplane wasn't in a very good condition. <laughs> wow. Uh, what did you guys think of the Lancaster? What, what are your memories? It's just wonderful. Uh, it was smooth. It could fly itself. Yeah, real, ba uh, real baby. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very, very good aeroplane. It was not built for the crew. It was built to do its job. And that's like heavy load, very heavy load, uh, long distance. So it was very difficult to get out of if you're in trouble. Mm. That wasn't the idea. Yeah. Uh, we came to second. The, the aircraft was there to be strong and deliver a big load. It did so. It was a great plane. And also, what about the um, social scene on the squadron? Well, when we're off duty and no flying for 24 hours, Let's first. have a mess party. First place you made for. <laughs> yes. There's one, well, I'm just trying to think of the name of the place in Meeple there, where we used to drink, drink at. Oh, at the pub? Which one? Uh, no, it was um, uh, just up the road. Yeah, yeah, up the road, yeah. It was the 75 Squadron pub. Yeah. Was so. it the three pickerels, was it? Uh, um, I'm not sure. Of that. It was the three pickerels. Yeah. Oh, pickerels! 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 That's that was the one. Yeah. You could put a boat up there yeah, in peacetime. Drown yeah. your sorrows and enjoy yeah, your yeah, life yeah, as well. Right. We could yeah. do what we liked. Many years later, I went to Suffolk Church with my wife, and there was a lady much older putting flowers in place. I happened to mention to her that we were on the squadron here during the war. And she said, oh, what naughty boys you were. And I said, what do you mean? She said, those songs you sang. <laughs> <laughs> songs. Song. Yeah. yeah. So when I came to think of it, she had a point of view. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, no doubt about it. You, you uh, drank to those that come back and you drank for those that didn't come back. Yeah. And that's who you thought of mostly. I know there's ladies present, but can we hear some of the songs? Oh, I don't think so, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the boy would remember the balls of Caramere. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> they say, oh, no. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> no. It goes on. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh no, we, we had our enjoyable moment. So. And it was Mr. Bagelstein. Oh, Bagelstein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were rather rude, weren't we? Yeah. You certainly were. <laughs> there was a tremendous spirit in the squadron, despite the losses. And the heavier losses, the better the spirit. And we were just brainwashed, I suppose. One of our best friends would go missing, two, three, four of them. And we just raise our glasses and say, hard luck, hard luck. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. That's the way we took it. It's... Um it, it's remarkable that uh, you guys all got through what you did and now you're here. Uh, this is the 100th anniversary of the squadron. How does it feel to, to come along to the reunion for the 100th anniversary of the squadron? Really, really great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah certainly great. I, I didn't think I'd make it. <laughs> well, I'm very lucky. I was living here in Tauranga now. I used to live in Auckland, Wellington. But, but, but now here for the reunion in Tauranga, I never thought I'd make it. But uh, I'm looking forward now for the, the next uh, two or three. Yep. Every two years I've been Kiapa Hills. Really enjoy it. Yeah. It certainly brings back memories. I think we, in our minds, for every one of us here, for every one of us who made it during the war, one didn't. And we think of those, and we can think of them, we can think of their faces, we can think of how they laughed, we can think of their idiosyncrasies, their mannerisms. We can still remember them very, very vividly. Absolutely. And actually, speaking of um, remembering very vividly, your own book, uh, Bombs on Target, yes. it's the most vivid book I've ever read on, on uh, as a personal account on the air war. Thank and, you. And I would like to recommend any listener to uh, go and find that book in their library or, or, or buy it uh, yeah. and read it because it's it really puts you right in the in the aircraft and, and on the squadron, in the, in the mess parties. It, yeah. It's really, really good. It was written from the heart and in memory of all those who didn't make it. But I try to put the spirit, the ambience, the atmosphere of how we lived and what we did, yes. Absolutely. And you totally captured it. I'm absolutely certain that you totally captured the, the spirit of it. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Jen. So is there anything else that you might want to say um, as final parting thoughts? There were, there were days, uh, tragic, yes, exhilarating and exciting, yes, but we will never forget. We can't forget. And we young ones won't forget what you guys did as well. We want to thank you. Yes. There are things we just can't describe. Well, it's just as well we were young at the time because it didn't worry us, really, not to any great extent. And uh, we came through it uh, without any pieces missing. You know, we're all together because it's either all or nothing in that game. You either saw your way through the, the war or you got chopped. And there was no, very little halfway.
Thank you very much, gents. We really appreciate it. Well, I'm talking with Jim Arnold, who was on 75 Squadron during the Mosquito era. Hi, Jim. Hi. <laughs> Can you uh, tell me when you first joined the squadron? Uh, at 947, uh, let's see, must have been about... April, I think. Yeah. Okay, and that's just when the mosquitoes were arriving, really. Wasn't yeah, it? they were still arriving. Uh, well, well, uh, I can't remember exactly how many arrived, but it wouldn't been any more than about oh, twenty at the late outside. Uh, might have been less. Yeah. Wow. So at that point is when yeah. uh, the the uh, number seventy five squadron transferred from Britain to the RNZ. Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Had had you been on two squadron beforehand? No, no. It was the first squadron after my. Uh, 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 um, rigorous course. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and and t tell me what what were you actually doing? What was your trade and and? Uh, I was a uh, well called flight rigger in those days, airframe mech. Uh, just just after we uh, got on squadron, they changed it. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. And um, yeah. so, what what was the squadron like in those early days? Oh, oh good, good fun actually, because uh, 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 it was Sid Learn and myself. We were the first two. Irks in the squadron, right? <laughs> and uh, 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 the uh, 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 um, it was all senior NCOs. It wasn't even a corporal there. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyhow, uh, uh, we got uh, work other than uh, uh, airframe work. We've got a bit of engine work to do, and uh, we we both were the only. Airframe mechanics in the Air Force that had a ticket to uh, uh, run, um, well, the uh, Merlins, yeah. Okay. Not, not that we were actually keen because it was a, it was a frightening affair because the, uh, the old uh, Mozzie was prone for jumping chocks. Oh, was it really? <laughs> oh, yeah. When, oh. Flat out, when the engine flat out, yeah, you had to have your ankles and, uh, and uh, feet anchored together on those two pedals so they couldn't move. Wow. And, and if you did move, uh, and uh, it happened to move the wrong way over over a chop. <laughs> That's why they used to uh, uh, keep an uh, aircraft distance between it, each aircraft for right. running up, yeah, yep. in case it did. <laughs> okay, well, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you would have seen the squadron build up over time. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me yeah. about that. Oh, um, we started, uh, well, we got our first engine max in six, eight weeks, six, seven weeks after we got there, yep. and, uh, uh, but uh, well, we still used to get a little bit of running, the engine max had to take that over pretty well altogether, yep. and uh, we got away to uh, Masterton uh, for air show, oh, yeah. uh, the Dunedin Centenary I think it was, right. and uh, we went down for that. It was good fun down around the castle. We, we all got a bit uh, high <laughs> down there. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big ball and everything down yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, we had quite a good time down there. And uh, uh, I went down in a mosquito and came back in the uh, at Dakota. Yeah, oh right, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, I had the controls for about half an hour on the way down there. Yeah. Oh nice. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was a dual control one? Oh yeah, yeah, I went down on one of the duels here. Yeah. Oh, Thank excellent. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, but, so yeah. that, that would have been a big thrill as a young guy. You would have oh yeah. But, uh, 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 after 
about five minutes straight and level, no problem at all. Yep. And then the turns here and there after <laughs> after I've got the straight and levels. Yeah. <laughs> but um, most of us in the Air Force yeah, and 75 Squadron got to fly them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't the only one. <laughs> they all had a bit of it. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. yeah. We, okay. uh, we go up uh, test flights for well, sometimes and uh, have to go up and do some uh, aerobatics. Uh, an hour's aerobatics was quite a common one. Well, one lot I had uh, uh, ran out about uh, 20, uh, 40 minutes. Uh, a pilot uh, threw it around, and he, uh, I think he'd had a hard night the night before. I can't remember his name now, yeah. but I wish I could be. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, anyhow, he uh, threw it around, and he says, "Is feeling all right?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "Throw it around." I said, feeling all right? Yeah. And throw it around again. Feeling all right? He says, I'm not heading <laughs> for the deck. <laughs> and he just got out of the aircraft. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so did you go on any of the exercises, like the one up to Kai Tire? Uh, no, they, they started those after I left. Uh, they started late uh, in the... Oh, oh, I think the first one up there was about... Uh, uh, May or June '49. Uh, uh, well, okay. I, yep. I'd gone up to um, Fiji by then on the on the uh, on the uh, Catalinas. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what was the sort of social life like on the squadron? Was oh, it very good. Uh, uh, I remember. Um, I think it was uh, Squadron of Agent got married. Yeah, and uh, he put on a hurley and. Uh, <laughs> uh, None of us were any use the following day, <laughs> <laughs> or the day after. <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> I don't think anyone in the squad we t- turned up at the squadron, but everyone was wandering around with their eyes down. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the CEO. He was pretty popular, wasn't he? Oh yeah, um, squadron leader Bajan. I just can't think of his first name. He was, but, uh, he was called the schoolboy school squadron leader because. Uh, he just looked at those schoolboys still, <laughs> and uh, but in the in the ref he, he got to uh, Winco, oh, right. and uh, before he was 21, ma- ma- making him the youngest Winco in the ref. Well, that's remarkable. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, most of his mates have died. <laughs> yeah. 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 In those days, of course, he was flying in Lancaster by then. Yeah. Yeah, and he was on 75. Yeah. Uh, uh, in England. In yeah. England. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And then I guess that's pretty neat that he came back to yeah. New Zealand and, and commanded the same squadron. Yeah. Uh, there's, I think there's about three or maybe four of the air, air crew uh, um, originals from yeah, England. Originals, okay. yeah. Mm. Oh, right. Mm. So yeah. they would have brought the whole uh, yeah. uh, the culture of the squadron with them. That, oh, that, yeah. Because yeah. they built up a really good oh, culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, the squadron was quite good. And then they brought the Meteor down from a GP flight. And got a different name later, but uh, because well, they decided a 75 squadron was a better one to uh, look after. We were already looking after real high-speed aircraft, yeah. and, uh, and I used to look after that too. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Uh, I far preferred that to look after than um, the mosquito. <laughs> yeah. Was that right? Oh yeah, yeah. It was e- a lot easier. Everything was easy on it. Yeah. So they yeah. really thought it out a bit more when they were designing it. Um, yeah. Well, for the well, 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 Gloucester really 
I did that fairly regularly. I made the aircraft quite a lot easier to work on than okay. most. But the, uh, the, the Meteor, it was only half a day's work to change an engine. Yep. Yeah, which we did once. Yeah. Okay. I think that was the only engine change he ever had. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And did you ever get it go in the. Oh, no, the Meteor was a single seat, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But it must have been quite impressive, though, to see the first jet in New Zealand on your unit. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was good fun. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. A Hakia in those days, there was 75 squadron there, but was there anyone else as well? Oh, DP Flight uh, uh, was actually about the only, only flying squadron there, and uh, uh, I can't remember what they, they gave it a squadron number yeah. uh, a little later. And uh, They had all sorts of aircraft, <laughs> you name it, that was there somewhere. Right, right. They even had an American, uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, Twin engine, uh, uh, um, oh, uh, 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 transport plane, small, um, yeah. But I can't think of the name. Was it yeah. Lodestar or? No, no, or? no. Oh, we we had Lodestar, but uh, that got badly twisted in the Hurricane. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, not Hurricane. Uh, tornado they had over um, um, Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it never flew again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Am I right in thinking that in those early days, yeah. when we, when you were getting the when the mosquitoes were on the squadron, you yeah. also had some Oxfords? Oh, we didn't have them, no. Oh, okay. No, no there were some Oxfords in the um, GP flight. Yeah. I think they had two, and they also had the uh, um, oh, Annie Anson, yeah. Anson, mm, oh, yeah, yeah. So the um, so the GP flight was a separate flight from the squadron. Yeah. But, oh yeah. But yeah, you guys right, yeah. would work on the on the aircraft of the GP flight, or? Uh, no, not not really. They had their own uh, own crew. Um, uh, sometimes if, uh, uh, was, uh, they did quite a few of the overseas aircraft that um, yep. uh, came in at uh, Langston, um, Yorks, Lancastrians. Yes. Uh, and, the, uh, and the link one Lincoln and and the uh, what I call the um, oh the uh, civilized uh, Lancaster uh, Lancastrian yeah yes yeah yeah and uh, but uh, uh, we'd have to uh, well we kept we had spare wheels and tires and the, and the uh, seventy five squad in there for them. And, right. And if they needed a wheel or a tire, we went out and swapped them. Okay. Or, or, or did, uh, oh, one blew a brake one day, put new, new brakes uh, uh, in it. We had, had spares there, we had quite a heap of um, Lancaster spares. Right, and, uh, right, okay. Little bits. And, uh, and, uh, That's really amazing. I, yeah, I, I would yeah. never have thought that yeah. we hold Lancaster spares here, but. Yeah, no, not, uh, not, not a, lot, uh, not a major, but yeah. uh, enough. For, for any minor problems to be fixed, yeah, and, and the kind of expected minor problems yeah, that might happen, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, with the um, with the squadron, was there two flights, uh, A and B flight, or no, not really. We just had uh, worked as one flight. All right. Uh, we had uh, uh, FB forty there, and uh, that was uh, an Aussie one, yep. and. Uh, but uh, uh, that was uh, unarmed, and it, it just had, it was a, uh, um, uh, oh, it had been converted to a uh, um, photo reconnaissance. 
and that's the one. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's the one that. Um, uh, right, right. Now, um, what what's uh, what's aviation was it? Uh, it? Used to take pictures all over the place. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Leo, um, Leo yeah. White. Yeah. 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 And. Uh, I think that's the one they used uh, to do the, uh, well, do the map of New Zealand. Yeah. They took the photo of the okay. whole New Zealand. Oh, right, okay. And, and, uh, and but, but it, uh, it did a heavy tail landing and uh, uh, it was, uh, well, uh, it, uh, it knocked the tail wheel off and I think they'd come down a bit heavier than normal and uh, it strained the rear fuselage and never flew that after that. Right. Yeah. I can't remember if it was them or us who did that. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, quite often, well, not often, but uh, I spoke about three, four times when I was uh, uh, in the two years I was there, uh, we had a tailwheel fold up. I mean, putting in what, what we used to call the duck's ass. <laughs> uh, putting a new duck's ass on. <laughs> yeah, because it used to break that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, right. Used to change wingtips every now and again because they used to bust those at times. Yep. In the air. <laughs> in the air. <laughs> yeah. How, how did they do that? Get a bit close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only by about an inch or so. <laughs> yeah. uh, they bu we bust a few in the hangars too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you weren't you weren't there when the when there was the hangar fire, were you? No, that was after no. us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our first. Praying was while I was there, that was down the Hamatini Beach, that was Simich and well, I'm just trying to think of the name of the, uh, that was a um, flight sergeant, uh, uh, um, I can't remember the engine and airframe was up with them, they did a slow slow roll, at, uh, too low, and, um, dumped a wing in the, uh, in the sand and, and uh, made uh, uh, sawdust of it, well, not much bigger than anyway. <laughs> yeah. The engines, uh, what's left of the engines, are, are probably st uh, still out <laughs> off the Himitini Beach. <laughs> yeah. right, right. They tried to pull them in, but they couldn't move them. But props uh, held them down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you were actually on the beach at the time, were you? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, uh, we went down to pick them up. Oh, uh, what happened is an old deer uh, rang up the uh, uh, station and says, uh, uh, you've, you've just lost a mosquito. No, we haven't. He says, yes, I have. I've, I've watched a lot of aircraft going down here. She'd lived there right through the war. Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, uh, oh, I, I think it was probably a agent and someone else hopped in, uh, and on a shot off down there, and sure enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so we all had to climb into uh, a two-piece and hoof it down there and out with a bucket and a thing to pick up piece, uh, people and then uh, uh, and then gather up all the bits and put them in a heap and, and uh, uh, I think they brought, brought the wheels back up and a few other ones in the ends but, but uh, they weren't any good. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I, I didn't get caught for that on the second one in 1953 when I was down in Woodburn. That, was, uh, that one did a slow roll and, let, and hit the top of the trees. And that, but, uh, that was about oh, two or three in the afternoon. And 
we're out on our motorbikes and all that, actually watched it happen. Right, okay. <laughs> I, said, I said to me mate on the other bike, I says, well, just keep going, we'll come in about 8 o'clock. We come in about 8 o'clock, and uh, the guard says, uh, Arnold, and I can't remember who was with me, uh, yeah, you're both on night guard duty for <laughs> the aeroplane. <Yeah. laughs> they would have made a bit of a mess, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, well, well, one of the engines came down between, there was three trees fairly close together, uh, they were poplars, and uh, one came down there and they had, had to cut trees down, or a couple of trees to get the engine out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. And, and didn't you say that the engine mount ended up... Um, oh, yeah, uh, a bolt went right into town, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, it must have broken with a or real whack <laughs> to fire it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah well thank you very much, yeah, I okay, really enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, have you got any last thoughts on the mosquito? Uh, well, I don't know. Just uh, the most versatile aircraft probably ever built. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can <could> do anything. <laughs> well, they used to uh, uh, um, chase up low-level flying, chasing up uh, uh, um, trains and all that sort of thing and, and knocking them off and uh, uh, doing precision bombing, that was one of the main things. Yep. And they could go up, uh, uh, they could put the 400-pound, uh, 4,000-pound uh, cookie on, uh, well, they had to modify it slightly to fit it, and uh, put one of those on and, and drop drop one of those and just make make a bit of a mess on the ground <laughs> and uh, of course they used for uh, pathfinders uh, they were the main pathfinder that's right yeah. and photo reconnaissance a photo reconnaissance and oh night fighter <laughs> night fighter day fighter everything, everything yeah incredible aircraft. yeah yeah no matter what they wanted and uh, for uh, what I was told anyway and I presume it's right uh uh, having the four um, 303s up top, they had uh, uh, um, incendiaries in there, you know, and uh, I'd see those, uh, they'd get onto a plane and uh, let drive with it, that, and they could sight up with that, and then uh, right on, so bang, bang, <laughs> no more aeroplane in front, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. 20 mils, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty powerful guns. Those oh, yeah, the, yeah. The 20 mil cannon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, wh what about uh, on 75 Squadron? What yeah. was the sort of biggest bomb load that, or, the, or the standard bomb load that would have been used? Uh, 2,000 pound, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, four, uh, they could put four or 500s under it. Or, right. Yeah, yeah. And, or, and was there much in the way of uh, bombing practice with live bombs? Eh? Uh, not while we were there. They used to do a bit of strafing and. Uh, uh, um, smoke bomb work. Uh, uh, I think they used to use the 250s mainly on the fighter bomber. It was a bomber that they, they could put the uh, uh, um, 500s in, yeah. Makes sense because there's a lot, yeah. of a lot of ammunition too, adds to the weight. Yeah, well, uh, uh, they, they couldn't carry as much ammunition as they wanted because not much room in there. <laughs> yeah. By the time you get four. All these great big guns. Well, they, they weren't big in there, uh, in their thing, but uh, uh, and the things they had to gobble. <laughs> and, uh, 
There wasn't much room for the uh, magazines. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Yeah. I really okay. enjoyed that. Yeah. Cheers. Well, I'm speaking with Warwick Jones. Hi, Warwick. Hi, David. How are you? Great, great. Now, you were on 75 Squadron during uh, the Vampire and the Skyhawk era, weren't you? Yes, that's correct. Tell me what you were doing. Oh, I was an engine fitter and um, went on 75 Squadron in the end, towards the end of 1967. We had only been there on the squadron about three weeks um, when, unfortunately, they lost a Vampire with a landing incident with um, Flying Officer Winray. Oh, right, yes, yep. Yeah. That was after a flying display, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. I think he was the number four in the box and they seemed to think there was something distracting him in the cockpit and he um, came in and virtually sort of stalled it onto the runway. But unfortunately, the aircraft broke its back and caught fire. Um, he was still alive for a while and the fire crew were there very quickly, but unfortunately, he passed on. Yeah. The same day... Um, while we were there, though, they had had, I think it was 385 Squadron. 485, yeah. 485, sorry. Yeah, they, those guys were there, too, yeah. watching. Yeah. So it um, sort of shook me up a bit, just being young and straight off my course and walking into something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So um, tell me a bit about the vampires and, and working on vampires. English aircraft? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty hard to work on as far as access goes compared with American stuff. Uh, yeah, but still great old machines. Um, Engine-wise, yeah, you had to treat them with a bit of respect. If you tried to open the throttle too quickly, they used to rumble. But um, yeah, we we had quite a good run, I think. The thing I remember most was we used to do. Uh, either a week or two weeks deployments to various airfields around New Zealand and, and stay under tent oh, yes. camps, yeah. And uh, if I remember rightly, we did uh, Kaikaui, New Plymouth, Tauranga, Rotorua. I'm not sure we did Hamilton or not. Yeah, anyway. But um, yeah, they were good times. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. But we certainly worked, and uh, the worst times, well, the hardest times you worked was when we were on armament programs at Ohakia there, and the aircraft were coming in, being refuelled, turn around as quick as they could, rearmed, and sent out again. And yeah, I think the record I've got written in my book one day is doing about 23 refills. Wow. Yeah. And on the old Vampire, of course, you had to jump up on the wing in those days, the old. Bowser. What do you call it? Bowser, Bowser yeah, pump, pump. Yeah. and uh, yeah, shake the thing around and get it all in. So you lived with kerosene and uh, smelt yeah. like that, yeah, <laughs> your hair, your uniform, everything, yeah. but you got used to it. Have to, yeah. So th those uh, armament um, exercises that you're doing, yeah. were, were that, is that when the pilots were going away and uh, bomb in the range or yep yeah either doing air to ground or then now and again they'd do air to air we had one of the vampires converted with a little unit underneath it one of the single seat mark fives i think um and they put a banner out behind that when they're doing air to air but the armament guys can tell you more about that right yeah they, they um they had different colored tips on the bullets to yes. see which aircraft hit yeah and they I can't remember how many thousand feet, but quite a way back from the aircraft. But it was a hell of a drag on it, though. Yeah. 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 Uh, were the uh, were the engines um, fairly reliable? Were they easy to work on? 
Yeah, relatively, because the Goblin's an old engine, so uh, from the en yeah, engine-wise they were pretty good though. It was mainly accessory stuff that went, not basic core engine problems, yeah. It's normally fuel stuff, yeah, that was the main problem. So how did the guys feel when they knew that you were getting um, Skyhawks to replace uh, the old vampires? Uh, over the moon, <laughs> yeah. Because they knew American aircraft were a lot easier to work on and they have access panels everywhere whereas the English ones say are pretty hard and in some cases you'd really get sore knuckles on that from getting into tight places and then having to replace something and then having to lock wire it after that. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course the, um, the Skyhawk is uh, quite technically advanced over the Vampire in terms of, uh, it's almost a generation later isn't it? Uh, yeah. And uh, so you would have had to do a bit of retraining to step up to the... Yeah, I had to do an engine um, Skyhawk course, and then after that, yeah, and then I was one of the ones that was um, cleared to do ground runs, though, on engines, okay. and including high-power runs, which we did when we had to change the engine and did a full 200-hour servicing. Um, went to ASF, Aircraft Servicing Squadron, yep. and they put a new engine in, and then we took it right out, and we had a place out in the middle of a haki there, by the compass swing bay and a big concrete pad yep. and you had a big tie down chain which connected on just under where the um, arrestor hook is okay. and that was bolted to the ground because you had to run the aircraft up to full power and do slam checks and back to idle and check everything yeah and you had to trim the aircraft we had a we'll call it a black box it was yellow where you trim the engine and you have to set up the idling speed and you have to set up um, full power on it too and it's pretty noisy. Um, on the Skyhawk, if you have a look, you'll see a red line around the rear of the engine there from yes. the turbine disintegration area and that. But um, when you're running it at full power on the ground, you're only allowed a 20 minute exposure, I think it is there, unless you have a kidney belt on. Because it really, at that certain frequency, can, yeah, can really knock you around. Wow, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's quite interesting. <laughs> Um, so I guess the other the other thing with uh, Skyhawks is it meant that unlike the vampires you could start doing overseas exercises again. Yeah. So yeah. Did you get on uh, any of that? Yeah, I was fortunate then. I was on 75. Um, I did my fitters course on 70 and that then 71, 72, 73. So I went with them when we did the first three trips to Singapore. Right. Um, defence deployments. Yeah, with Singapore, and we'd take. Uh, eight or ten aircraft I think okay yeah and then would go three Hercules support aircraft and they used to use an Orion I think for navigation and what have you too right yeah and you go in stages so yeah the Hercules would go off first and we'd normally stage through um, what I stop and think now. Richmond Townsville Amberley Darwin, Bali, Singapore. Right. Yeah. So some pretty long flights in the Hercules with the old Air Force box lunch. <laughs> yeah. And your earmuffs on. <laughs> some guys try to have a sleep, other guys just read books or played cards. Yeah. And the exercises themselves, how were they? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, one time there, though, I remember they had very severe fires in Indonesia and that, and that haze came right over Singapore, oh, right. right over the peninsula. Yep and they couldn't fly for two or three days. It was that bad, it was just, wow. yeah. Like a dust storm, boy, just yep. yeah, blotted yep. everything out. Yeah. 
And, and you were exercising with uh, other nations there, that you'd have the uh, Singaporeans, Malaysians as well? Uh, yeah, it depends on what the exercises were, yeah. but we did, some of us did do a quick trip up to Kwantan in Malaysia, and the, um, yeah, the Australians still had the Mirage there. You know? Okay. Yeah. And how did we do in those early days against the other? I think we did pretty well, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. The one we did later um, in Darwin, in the, in the Northern Territory, that was with, yeah, the Australian Air Force and the um, RAF had uh, a couple of Vulcans there, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, <coughs> it's, I mean, really it, it was good because the RNZF was showing a bit of its might overseas to the rest of the world at that stage. And yep. Um, it must have been quite, um, it must have made the, the Air Force quite proud to be able to do that again after a long time because the, Can the Canberra's have been gone for a while. So, yeah. I just did about five minutes on Canberra's though um, and did a little bit of first line work and then I actually yeah refueled and sent off the last one which was Gavin Trithui and I think it was Gavin Jones was the navigator okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the famous trip where the last two aircraft because they came over and did a low fly past yeah. over us when we yeah. exactly I've seen the photo of that yeah and it was uh, very low yeah <laughs> and what about life on squadron what was the uh, the squadron um, sort of social life like yeah very good Air Force camaraderie, of course. We all had nicknames. Mine was Flea. Yeah, um, yeah but yeah, we used to have happy hours regularly on the squadron and have different sort of um, games and competitions and things between um, the squadrons and the other um, aircraft servicing squadrons and bases and things, you know, on the main camp, on the base itself. Yeah. Yeah, individual units yeah. and that, yeah. So... Yeah, I was fortunate, actually Des Grant joined up when I did and initially he was uh, going to be an electrician and then he transferred to air crew later. Okay. But um, I was fortunate when I was on 75 with the vampires, I did have a flight in a T-11 with um, Ace Bevan, Babyface Bevan we called him, I don't know whether he's still around. Okay. And then I got another flight later with Des Grant. Oh right. Yeah. His nickname was Blossom. <laughs> And then on the Skyhawks, I was fortunate just before I got out, uh, well, the end, yeah, the end of 73, I got out in January 74. 73, I went up with Graham Bethel and one of the T-Birds, and we did a low-level Navex down the South Island, yep. about 200 feet, around the mountains, came back over Cook Strait, and he let me have a little play and did a few rolls, and we went over to Wanganui Way and did Eros, and the greatest thing for me was coming down in a power dive and then pulling straight up vertical and doing an aileron roll as we were going vertical. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So those were the days. And uh, what, have, what have you thought of the reunion so far? Yeah, good. I was just slightly disappointed, you know, there's not more of our ground crew guys. Um, I've had a look at the other list there, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I know Glenn's tried to get hold of a lot of people and some people don't answer. And, but I've tried to get hold of a few myself, as I've mentioned to you. Yeah, yeah but it's a shame. I think that more of the ground crew guys don't come out, um, you know, yeah. and support the squadron, yeah. But it's a great occasion having the 100th anniversary. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah. Remembering all the old days and... 
Yeah. The other thing, of course, jumping back to the um, to the vampires, at one particular time there, I think it was in 69, either 68 or 69, we had an, um, a little aerobatic team called the um, Yellow Hammers. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I was one of the um, servicing crew on that, and we used to have to dress in white overalls, and we went and did a few um, air shows at the bases and that. Right. I know we did a Harky at Woodburn. I think we did Auckland. Yeah, I'm not sure whether we did Wigram. I think we did. Okay. I said Wigram as well. Yeah. And that was led by uh, Ross Donaldson, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then, of course, he went off and, and then, uh, did the Skyhawk training. That's and right. And, and then he, John yeah. Scrimshaw came on board later on. I see he's here at the reunion. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what other memories have you got of the squadron that stand out? Just the lifestyle, I think. Some guys like to be on a squadron and just do what we call first line servicing on the aircraft. Other guys prefer to go to second line servicing in the aircraft, what we call then in the aircraft servicing squadron, where you do the major aircraft, you know, and the aircraft stripped down and you get, really get into stuff. But then, um, most of us had a turn at doing that anyway and most of us for my trade for engines we had to do like a six month stint i think in the engine bay oh yeah yeah where you do service different engines and do a, like a 200 hour service or something on an engine yeah. yeah so i actually yeah did a bit on the goblin of course and and then on the j52 of course yeah. p8b out of the skyhawk and then i just did a little wee bit on the viper but I think, but I didn't actually work on the aircraft then. Right. I think they'd just come in then, didn't they? Yeah, 74, yeah. 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 70, no, 72, I think they came in. Yeah, the yeah, buses. but I didn't actually do any do any work on them. Yeah. Um, actually, one thing I was going to ask you about was, I've heard that the 75 Squadron and 14 Squadron used to have a bit of a rivalry uh, yeah. trying to steal the flags and things like that. Can you remember any of that sort of stuff? <laughs> I can't remember any single incidents, but yeah, that sort of stuff went on all the time. Yep. And the other thing, of course, is when you had visiting aircraft from overseas, these Kiwis and roundels and things would mysteriously um, appear on undercarriage doors and things <laughs> overnight. And the next day, the, you know, the guys would come out, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was just that. a yeah, <laughs> yeah. thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, one day, if you like, called it the day I stood in awe. It was in 73, I think. Um, we had three Vulcan B2s came out from Waddington. Yeah. And then they left. The first one left and he just did a bit of a low fly pass. The second one did a better fly pass and beat up. And then the third one couldn't go straight away. They had some fuel problems. I think it stayed a few more days and they had to fix it. These guys told us they were going to beat beat-ups of all beat-ups here and um, we were actually outside the aircraft must have been flying I think because we were outside standing just to the side of our hangar there which was next to the control tower yep. then and we heard the pilot and the navigator and that talk this out and they were actually pacing stuff out on the ground and I'm sure he said um, 190 knots and 40 feet on the radio radar altimeter yeah well this, we were standing there, and when they did the beat-up, this V2 comes towards you, you know, yep. real low. Yep. Yeah, and at the last minute, he just sat her on its behind, put on full power, and went up over the control tower. <laughs> he damaged some of the 
UHF and VHF aerials, I think, and the anemometer and all that stuff on top of the tower. Yeah, but um, yeah, if something had to happen, to say it, we were just stuck in awe. That's why I yeah. say that. I've never been like that, looking at anything else in my life. I think, but yeah, just, just frozen, just frozen yeah. to the spot. Yeah, I've heard people say, you know, how you stand, you think, oh no, you know, you, but you can't because you just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a statue. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> literally awesome. Yeah. <laughs> The worst thing for us, I think, yeah, going back to the old vampire days, was yeah, was the fuel systems and that, and putting on the drop tanks and that. And of course, everything was by gravity then, wasn't any pressure. Okay. So the major advantage going on the Skyhook course was you had complete pressure fueling if you wanted it, and you could do that normally by just connecting it up and yeah, doing full tanks and things. If you wanted part tanks on things, then sometimes you still had to use the old hand pump on the external tanks. Okay. They normally flew with two 300 US gallon tanks and when we went overseas on deployments she had a 400 gallon tank they put in the middle okay. and also of course on the centre line station you could have the buddy store which was a really um, good piece of equipment too. Uh, and that's the, the one that the a second aircraft couldn't air to air refuel? Yeah that's what we actually used to do on the deployments they'd, they'd do that from Ohio gear to give them that little bit extra and then they'd go out over the Tasman and then do their first thing and then in the first year we took the T-Birds of course the T-Bird has a because the second seat has slightly less fuel capacity um, they were really pushing it apparently yeah okay. and uh, I think I remember at Townsville there once they were pushing it to get off it was a really hot day and um, yeah they are really just dropping off the end of the strip boy and heading out to Magnetic Island which is just off the coast of Townville and yeah you can ask some of the pilots later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah well thank you very much boy. That's alright anytime thanks David. Cheers. Exactly 100 years ago, number 75 squadron number 4 was the home defence squadron of the Royal Flying Corps. Now, thank you all for coming to celebrate this previous historic I'd like to acknowledge the efforts of Fred Myers.
busy on the events department and we are still making this actual work, the actual work of this.
when I went to talk to Al, he would say, no, no, it's you. So between the two of you, you've done everything. And I just want to say from everybody here, thanks very much for all your efforts.
Well, I'm talking with Barry Gilliver. Hi, Barry. Hello, how are you? Great, great. Um, now, when did you join the no, 75 squadron? I joined in, in January 1960. Right. I'd, be, I'd been a navigator on Sunderland's from 1957 to 1959, and when I finished that, I was posted to Singapore on, on B2s as part of 75 squadron at RAF Tanger. That must have been quite a change going from the slow old Sunderland into the Canberra. It was very difficult actually. The Sunderland would do 120 knots and the Canberra was do 420 knots, which wow. was three and a half times faster. Yeah. So you had to move quickly. I remember my first flight, I was about 200 miles behind the aircraft before I got the first fix. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, um... You joined the squadron while I was up in Singapore? Yes, I was one of the two navigators who went up there and were trained on squadron. Okay. So you're basically on the job training? Uh, very much so, yes. yes. At that stage, uh, what was the squadron doing? What was, it, what was its role? The squadron was doing then uh, normal operational training for its role in the theatre, which was uh, high-level daylight bombing. We had The squadron had been doing strikes against communist terrorists, or the CTs, yep. in Malaya before that, but the emergency was declared finished in late 1959, so we went, we went back to normal, if you like, peacetime training. Okay. That would be bombing and navigation training. We, 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 it was a high-level bomber, we had two rangers uh, in, in Singapore. One was China Rock to the east, yep where you could bomb up to 20,000 feet. The other range was in northern Malaya, off Penang Island, which was high level. You could bomb up to 45,000 feet there. Wow. 45,000, that's amazing. That's a long, that's, it's, pretty, it's pretty high. Yeah. So as the navigator, were you the one doing the bomb aiming? Yes, yes. We carried a crew of two, a pilot and a navigator, who did the bombing as well. Okay. The, the RAF had um, three in the crew. There was a pilot and a navigator and a bomb aimer. Right. But we, in our squadron, didn't, didn't have that extra person. Oh, right, OK. So who, who did the wireless operating? Uh, we didn't have any wireless. The aircraft only had VHF radios, which was short-range, line of sight. So that would be for use around your airfield uh, yes, for the circuit? Yes. Okay. Beyond 200 miles you couldn't hear anybody talking, or wouldn't, nobody could talk to you. So if you had been sent on a, uh, on a bombing mission and got the call back, how, how did you know that you were called back? Well, that never occurred. Um, generally our operations were around Malaya, where there was quite good radio communication. Occasionally we used to fly from Singapore to Labuan in Borneo and then down to Darwin in Northern Australia. But for much of that trip, we didn't have any radio communication at all. Okay, wow. 
It's, a, it's really interesting. What, uh, what style of navigation were you doing? Did you have uh, good navigation aids? Or? We had very good, very poor navigation aids actually. Um, we had what the area called a Rebecca Eureka, yeah. which was a rain, radar range finding aid to a ground station. Yeah. And that would give us a maximum of 240 miles range at about 45,000 feet. The other instrument we had was a uh, what we called an ADF, which would home on a radio station within a reasonable range. The difficulty using that was that if there was a thundercloud with thunder and lightning in the vicinity, the ADF would home on that immediately. So it wasn't an awful lot of help. Okay. And uh, did the squadron uh, have the same sort of uh, high morale and and? really great spirit that it did back home uh, for all these years. Oh yes, it was marvellous. Yeah. The squadron had a marvellous... Much of it was the flying we did. The, uh, the B-2 was pretty uncomfortable. At low level it was very hot. At high level it got very cold. But we were in Singapore and we were having a great time. It, yeah. The morale was very, very high all the way through. Uh, I guess it would have been a, a really exciting posting to go to. Loved it. Loved it. Oh. Yes. I liked the B2 and I enjoyed Singapore. Great. And at the, um, how, how long was the posting that you... Two years. Two years. And yeah. then at the end of that would have been about the end of when they came back to New Zealand, was it? The squadron was disbanded um, in the end of 1961, but the squadron came back to New Zealand. I was posted back to the Canberra Conversion Unit at Ohakia. Yeah. And when the squadron came back, that organization which was called Boku or Bomber Operation Conversion Unit was transferred to number 75 squadron so we remained 75 squadron for the next 18 months doing Canberra conversion for young men who were going on to the B-12s in New Zealand on number 14 squadron. Okay and then they went up to Singapore? No. Oh they stayed here? No there were no the, the, the um, there was no there was no Canberra squadron based in Singapore from that time on, 14, 14 Squadron took over our responsibility and they were deployed to Singapore every year just to practice going up and back. Ah, uh, right, gotcha. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think the term was they, be, they were New Zealand's contribution to the Commonwealth Strategic Reserve. We had been when we were in Singapore, but as the threat, if you like, receded, New Zealand decided that 14 Squadron, based in New, in New Zealand, would do, would do to have that contribution. Okay. So 14 squadrons, the operational squadron with Canberra's, and 75 squadron has the operational unit within it. Yes. That's training. Yep. And you also had vampires as well at the same time? We had vampires as part of the 75 squadron, but at about the middle of 1963, perhaps, am I, am I right? 61. It's middle of 63, the, the roles changed. We, uh, we, the Canberra Conversion people, became part of 14 Squadron. Ah, right. And vampires were brought back into service, and they had, sorry, yeah, and they formed part of these, they became 75 Squadron, yeah. waiting for the Skyhawks to come in. Ah, okay, right. And what have you thought of the reunion? It's been marvellous. Isn't it? Yeah, uh, there's so many people here, um, not very many, unfortunately, from my from my era, um, and many of them unfortunately have, have departed, have, have passed on. So there are only four or five people here 
that um, I can recall part of that early Canberra squadron in, uh, in Singapore. Yes. I'm nearly 80 myself, you see, so yeah. we're getting on, we're all getting on. Yeah. But it's great to see such a good turnout for the 100th anniversary of it's the squadron. It's marvellous, it really is fabulous, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and people going all the way back to uh, 1940 here. There's a couple of people there. I understand there's uh, one air gunner who, was, who did two tours on 75 and on his second tour he was there when James Ward got his Victoria Cross. So, yes. you know, there's, uh, there's lovely to have these people still. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, is there any uh, other sort of memories of 75, um, whether it was Singapore or, or back home, that uh, stand out? Any, any really interesting trips that you did? or? We did a lot of um, trips um, around. We went to Hong Kong quite often. We had to go through Clark Air Force Base oh, yeah. uh, to go to Hong Kong because we didn't have the range to get to Hong Kong from Singapore. Okay. And if you got a bad weather report, remembering that we only had short range radios, yes. we didn't have much range to get back to Clark. So generally, we flew from Tanga to Clark Air Force Base, refuelled, maybe spent the night there, and then went on to Hong Kong the next day. Okay. We could fly direct back to Singapore from Hong Kong because there was much better, more airfields there, and and you know, if we had a problem with one airfield, we could always divert to another. Yeah, there was one occasion I can recall, and I was flying with uh, my pilot, whose name was Russell Smith. We were due to get airborne on a night training mission. We got even quite happily and Russell retracted the undercarriage and we suddenly had a red light on the starboard main wheel, the right hand wheel, which meant that the uh, undercarriage wasn't up. We flew past the uh, control tower under a searchlight and they told us that this, the starboard wheel was up properly. We went out over the sea and did some reasonably high G turns to see if we could get the wheel to come down, but it wouldn't. So we were faced with the wheels up landing. All the other aircraft who, from the base were recalled while we flew around burning off fuel. It's got an air to land the wheel, aeroplane wheels up with, with as little fuel as possible. I can recall thinking as they all called the downwind three greens saying how lucky they were. Yeah. Anyway, we lined up uh, for, the, for, the, for the approach. My job was to eject the navigator's frangible hatch, which was over the two seats at the back, under which, over which we would be able to get out on the ground. Yep. Unfortunately, it didn't go off properly. Landed scooped under and then came back and landed and, and impinged itself on the two ejection seat handles in the back. I couldn't do anything about it at that stage, we were very, we were very um, on final, so I just told Russ, look, the hatch hasn't gone and we can do to land. They didn't grease the runway in those days, the idea was just to land, wheels up, on, on the tarmac. We scraped, we scraped to, to a halt. I got out, Russell followed me very quickly, 
and there were the firemen with their hoses waiting in case there was a fire. It was a frightening experience, but well done, and the fire people were there immediately, and it was great. Wow. There you go. Amazing story. It was great, yes. It, well, we had a couple of whiskies in the mess afterwards, just to sort of quieten the old nerves. Well, but, uh, <laughs> yes. But after that, no, it was fine, yes. Excellent. And uh, you've been writing up the history of that period of the squadron. Yes, we're waiting for the um, waiting for it to be published. It's, it's taking a bit, but uh, we've got people who've written the squad, uh, who've researched the 1916 date when the squadron was formed. We've got people who've done a lot of research on the wartime period, which is really the most interesting part of the squadron's yes. history. Yeah. We've got people who've written up the the mosquito time and the vampire time until 1950, about 57, 58, when the squadron went to Singapore with Canberra's, and I, I've written up that Canberra period. Oh, great. That's, mm. that's really good. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Barry. It's been a pleasure I, to talk to you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, I'm talking with Nick Osborne. Hi, Nick. Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you going? Good, good. Now, you, uh, you've got quite a history on the squadron, haven't you? Yeah, well, I guess uh, yeah, I, start, I joined the squad in '84, and then um, as a bog rat, and then uh, uh, I was the CO of '75 squadron when we closed it down. Wow! Yeah, yeah. so, so that's, a, that's a long time on the squadron. Well, I, w I wasn't there the whole time. I, you know, I was there for a few years at the start, and yeah. then a few years at the end, and in between, I was uh, flying Skyhawks at, at two squadron uh, right. over in, in Nowra. So that's right, pretty of course. Cool. Yeah. And also, you were down at uh, uh, was it CFS. You were at for a while. Yeah, CFS is uh, part of the aerobatic team down there. Is yeah. the as we called them there, the, the, the uh, chubby checkers at the yeah, time. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, what, do, what are your sort of uh, highlights of the squad and what are your memories? Oh, look, I, look um, John Benfield and I are just talking about it because he and I did the course together, uh, the first conversion, and the very first time you, know, you jump in the aeroplane to take off, and everyone's going, don't worry about the gauges. Your instructor said, well, I'll look at the gauges. You just concentrate, keeping straight and getting airborne. Like, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, of course we can do it. And then suddenly the power comes on and you're down the runway and it's holy hell. You know, just hang on, we're here for the ride. That, that's, the, that's the thing I remember the most. It was just fantastic. You know? right. yeah, yeah. And of course, uh, when, you, when you joined the squadron, uh, it was the older uh, style and then you had the kahus come on later. Yeah, that's right. So it was. So we're back in the, uh, as, we, as we fondly called it, the dinosaur, you know, um, which was the very analogue type of aeroplane. Everything was. It had a very basic uh, sight in the front. And then, of course, when I went uh, back to it and did the conversion into two squadron flying the Skyhawk, uh, it had, had the kahu update. So it was all the all the really whizzy do stuff in it, and uh, you know, a much more capable aircraft. And uh, you know, still the same airframe, but much better aircraft to operate. Right, right. Uh, being a CO, um, that's a that, that's a big thing of um, being the commander of the squadron as well. And there's quite a history of commanders, and we've seen a heap of them here tonight, haven't we? Yeah, look, it's fantastic to get them back. Yeah. It's uh, it's been a while since I think this has probably been the most successful, and it's been really good. And I think I put that down to the, the new social media. We can get hold of people a lot yeah, easier. Yeah, true. Uh, you know, you want to find somebody. You find somebody who you think might know them on Facebook and you just let it run its course. It's great to get all the CEOs and I think in general we've had a lot of extra people here. It's been, it's been a really good night. Yeah, it has. And, and there's people from every era of the squadron here. 
well, going right back to the beginning. Well, that's right. Well, not the beginning, beginning, because 1916. Squad, but, but, but the beginning uh, of the New Zealand part of the squad. Yeah, squad, and yes, uh, yeah, so my, my wife just took a photo of the uh, the six remaining veterans from World War Two, and some of them are looking quite sprightly. I'm going, gee, it's 92 years old, and they're still doing that. I, I hope the hell I can do that while I, you know, that that's, age. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, amazing, isn't it? Amazing, yeah. and it's just fantastic to see those guys here, because because as was said, uh, you know, Stu boys and uh, Herb Keatley said we're getting less and less of them and it's not going to be long before we won't have any World War II vets left. Yeah, exactly, and even the Mosquito era guys are, are dwindling, so yeah, um, yeah, post-war so. stuff, so yeah. that's, that's marvellous. And, and tell us what you're doing today. Oh, at the moment I, I joined the, when we disbanded the squad and I went and joined the um, Royal Australian Air Force, uh, flew Hawks over there, the uh, British Aerospace Hawk, yeah. training for 12 odd years now I've, I've, they finally got me into a headquarters job down at Glenbrook so I'm the director of capability over it at, um, in the Australian Air Force and kind of look after um, well, how to say, to making sure that all the uh, stuff that we're flying inside Australia, that we've got the right tools and equipment to keep that flying going. Right. And uh, is the um, Royal Australian Air Force anywhere near as good as what the Royal New Zealand Air Force was? Or <coughs> Look, it's different. It's very different. They uh, are very, very capable. And, and defence over there is a big thing. And that's one thing, you know, the whole populace is by, behind defence. But they're a bit like the Americans in a way. They, they, they find themselves for a while bound by rules, which tend to make them less flexible. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it's a bit of a transition going there because you suddenly find a lot more rules that you, you, have, to, you have to abide by these rules in order to, to do your job. Um, and they're very much more structured, which we tend to be more free played over here. But, yeah. but having said that, yeah, they, they are a very, very capable um, air force, and you know you can't deny it that they're, they're, they're big players in the in the Pacific. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it must still be great to come back to the 75 squad and family and, and see everybody again. Well, yeah, my wife was saying uh, we were talking about last night and said it's a bit like coming back to a, um, a high school reunion, except that. At, at this reunion, you don't, you don't have any of those sort of losers who never went anywhere because everyone's a high performer, True. right from the the troops all the way all the way through to um, you know all the air crew. You know, it, it's just a really great and it's home. Yeah. You know, been in Australia for 15 years now, but New Zealand is still home. Excellent. So, Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Nick. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, it's been great. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Well, I'm sitting here with the association secretary, Glenn Turner. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Dave. It's uh, been an amazing weekend, hasn't it? This weekend has blown all records, for sure. And uh, uh, we're now uh, relaxing uh, on the Sunday afternoon after uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday evening event, and uh, this morning's events, which uh, have, uh, by all accounts, been very well received by uh, all those people that um, attended. And uh, everyone seems to have enjoyed themselves. And... Uh, we ended up with uh, at least 220 people on the Saturday night dinner yep. uh, for the past five reunions, that's every second year, we've really only managed 120 right. at each dinner and that's a mark of how many people come along. So to actually double that figure uh, in, in less than uh, a year has been um, quite phenomenal. It's the perfect way to celebrate the 100 years of the, of the squadron and um, really Establish that um, the market of the history. I, I think we'll struggle to uh, uh, to 
do this uh, again if if we don't keep up the impetus of making sure that uh, those that served on the squadron uh, keep coming back to these these times where they um, they remember who they flew with, uh, who serviced their aircraft, and um, who put their bombs on, who, and uh, and who, who sorted their their helmets out. It's uh, yeah. it's, it's a great uh, tribute to um, these people who wanted to um, make the effort. I must admit that a whole bunch of phone calls and emails and text messages and uh, Facebook messages to most individuals um, until they eventually succumbed to say they're coming along uh, was um, was the, the, the work I've done in the last eight to ten months. Right. Then we've got the team uh, that t- took on uh, the, the task of organising the venue and that was um, uh, Stu Boys and Al Reynolds uh, and Chris Carter and uh, Barry Dorr, uh, the team here in Tauranga, Classic Flyers. Right. And uh, they asked us at uh, Trevor Bland's funeral, uh, actually, that uh, they had a, a thought in mind and could they host the next 75 Squadron reunion. And um, Herb Keatley, our, uh, our president, and I um, said uh, we had no problems with that whatsoever. And um, as my role as secretary, then I managed the accounting side from, from Bulls, and uh, Stu and his crew then set about organising the venue, uh, the, the meal side of things, and I gave them some guidance from past reunions of what to do, what we sh- should be doing, what we could do, and what we shouldn't really repeat again because of it didn't happen good right. last time. Right. So uh, uh, we, we had separate meetings and uh, got together on, on certain occasions just to smash together the, the main components of things, um, deciding on the menus, deciding on, on the inside, the outside, what numbers. And uh, throughout the um, throughout the year, I posted something like uh, 500 plus envelopes to past members, current, and prospective members. Right. Uh, I must admit, I probably am still waiting on 100 replies for the last 10 months, but of those that did uh, want to come along and enjoy us, um, uh, enjoy their their company with everyone, uh, 220, uh, that's 85 spouses, partners and support people, and the rest were all 75ers. Uh, That included uh, seven World War II chaps, Lancasters and Wellington, right through to... um, some of the last chaps that flew the Skyhawk in 2001. Right, exactly. Um, and <coughs> you know, Classic Flyers has really turned it on for the event. It's been um, marvellous. And of course, a, a, a really big feature has been the Skyhawk uh, taking centre stage and everybody getting their photos taken with it through the whole weekend. Um, marvellous, isn't it? For, for New Zealand to have retained as many A4s as, as there the currently is in the different museums, uh, and that all happened 2010-11, uh, is fabulous to have some of our history still here. Granted, they're only on loan and things could happen in the future, meaning that we could potentially have to give them back or, or, or something of that nature. But while they're here, it is fabulous to see the, the aircraft that we once sweated over and toured on and put bombs on. And, and for me, being the last armament senior NCO to ever sign off weapons on the A4, yeah. Uh, in uh, June 2001, because the end of the financial year, uh, they wouldn't allow us to do weapons up until after after the 1st of July. Right. So for me, it's, it's fabulous to see those here and being involved with Drakken and, and helping them get their, their jets flying back in 13, 14, uh, to me, is, is, is really special. Now, to see these folk 
that e- even the earlier generations that didn't have anything to do with the A4, they still admired the aircraft that um, they sat around, had lunch with, around as well, and uh, this morning having a service in front of it too, uh, with um, our um, chaplain, uh, Marie Gilpin, from local area. And uh, I, I think that uh, that backdrop just made it really good for having uh, a piece of our own squadron around us as we celebrated the 100 years uh, since 75 Squadron Home Defence Royal Flying Corps was formed to fight the Zeppelins that were bombing London in, uh, in 1916. Absolutely, and it was also great this morning at the memorial ceremony to have 75 Squadron Air Training Corps as the colour party as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that, um, that came quite by accident in that um, the uh, Commandant from Rotorua um, Heidi Painton, she uh, contacted me earlier this year and said, look, um, I've got a 75 Squadron Air Training Corps unit here in Rotorua and uh, we heard about your reunion from your advertising and by the way, I advertised in at least a dozen different forums over the last um, uh, 10 months. Yes. Uh, and, and I thought, wow, that's, that's a fabulous opportunity to grab uh, young uh, cadets that actually weren't even born when we lost the Skyhawk, for that matter. That's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, in this case, um, I, I wanted to include them in uh, the, the Sunday service, obviously, that would be the better one for them to partake with us. Um, informal setting um, and away from the bar kind of scenario. Uh, and uh, Heidi had only just recently received their new ensign, so it was the first time outing for them uh, to parade that. Um, I had my 75 Squadron flag that I made up, and I asked Peter Wheeler from Bomber Command to bring his Bomber Command flag down right. and an RAF ensign. Yeah. So in effect, um, on on flagpoles, uh, we all held um, standing to attention with the cadets with their. Um, their rifles, which I had a hand in a haki, I just looked down and thought, gosh, I recognise those things <laughs> from being in the gun bay at a haki um, some years ago. Yep. So uh, to see them support us and us to actually have them supporting them too, uh, I think was, was quite a, a distinct thing to, um, to admire. Now, as a result of their contact with us and their inclusion today, uh, our meeting today uh, overwhelmingly suggested that we support this Air Training Corps team named 75 Squadron. Exactly. Quite by chance they've come on the scene with us and uh, we're now making um, uh, indications and uh, plans to help support Heidi and her crew down in Rotorua. That's fantastic, that's fantastic. Now you've mentioned a couple of times uh, about your own uh, career as an armourer in the Royal New Zealand Air Force. Uh, Can you give us a brief overview of of your time with the squadron and what you were doing? Uh, sure, I joined in 1985, put down avionics and armament in that order and made enough points to get armament. Never regretted um, having that, that uh, trail of, of my career through uh, doing that trade with weapons. Uh, ejection seats became a speciality for me and has become my private business now. Yes. Uh, and and uh, that includes the Hawker Hunter, which I'm looking at out the window right now, covered yeah. in cost, but that's been the first live ejection seat by a civilian uh, and flown under civilian colours here in New Zealand, and that was my work back in 1997 for that. 
1999, when I shifted to 75 Squadron, uh, maintenance flight commander Greg Paul was instrumental in helping me gain permission from the air staff to, to have a secondary job. And at that time, Safair was asking of the same because they had uniformed people needing to help them do after-hours work. And the current, or then, uh, Air Force law meant that no one was allowed to do their their uh, Air Force job out of hours. Right. You could pump petrol, yep. but you couldn't go and fix an ejection seat, which is what I was doing. Yep. So uh, that helped me immensely. Uh, so early 99, I joined up uh, with 75, and um, we did uh, civil vanguards. I was selected for uh, Long Look in early 2000, so I spent um, four months in the UK with Tonkers, Tornadoes in Marham yep. on two squadron, yep. and uh, spent a couple of couple of weeks down putting bombs and missiles on tornadoes at Ali Salem with the crew down there. Um, so that to me is was the pinnacle of, of an armaments career where you actually put weapons on that doesn't come back and you know they hit the target because yeah. they're all LGBs. Yeah. But um, uh, then once we'd finished our um, Singapore um, vanguard in mid-2001 uh, and the redundancies had happened, um, Helen Clark's decision to get rid of us was uh, in full swing to, to chop us to pieces and um, we had a, a bunch of folk that were made redundant or took redundancy yep. and that included several from 2 Squadron and um, I went over to help uh, 2 for the last three months of ops uh, going around Australia and came back and then was asked to be one of the sergeant uh, bearers for the standard. So for the week prior to Friday the 13th, um, uh, the team, the, the three squadron teams with their standards, our standards, we practiced day and night to, to get it right. Yep. And uh, we we paraded, I must admit, with seething anger that we shouldn't have been doing this at all. Yep. However, I took great pride to be one of the one of those standard bearers, and we laid the standards up in the St Mark's Chapel of that day, and we. Um, Sadly said to goodbye to the, the squadrons, but the destruction of the three units uh, was was complete and, and very disappointing and sad to see from within. Yeah. No one knows just how much destruction of all of that stuff happened in the end of 2001. Absolutely, and, and I think the Air Force is still feeling that today. Uh, having had just several changes in, in um, format of, of um, wings and squadrons and units, uh, yes, they're still finding uh, it difficult to to manage without a strike wing per se uh, and, and to get get the balance right again because yeah. the, the Air Force is unbalanced. It doesn't have a major part of an of a Air Force. And, and it's also not just the strike wing but a lot of the um, maintenance support went with it and all of the um, capability of innovation that the Air Force had went with it as well. When you see that we had 31 years of operation of the A4 and, uh, and, and that was well balanced well represented here uh, at the reunion from those that flew the vampire onto the Skyhawk and then some of those that, that were the last to fly uh, the Skyhawk that weren't even born when the Air Force arrived in New exactly, Zealand. Yeah. Uh, it was quite phenomenal to see these group of pilots um, and groundies as well, uh, well represented by age, yeah. uh, there last night. And then, then, then uh, managing it um, <coughs> the early hours of this morning getting to do a song that they they did for one of their uh, lost uh, pilots in the early 70s uh, was just so so really um, heartbreak, heartbreaking but so so proud to see these guys coming together hadn't seen each other probably for 10 or 15 if not 20 years yeah and others not 
knowing of each other for so long. Yeah. Uh, but some meeting pilots that they'd never known about that flew the same A4 as they did uh, only years earlier. So um, f- fabulous, just just to stand back and watch after, for me, the last 10 months staring at names, just looking at the next name, yeah. ma- mailing that person, emailing them, phoning them up, hearing, hearing them, and then just to stand in front of all these folk in the last couple of days, trying to then putting faces to names. Fabulous. Well, Glenn, you've done a marvellous job, and your team's done a mar- marvellous job putting this together. Um, all of those, all of those, two hundred and twenty odd people that have been there, over, here over the weekend, uh, they've all been smiling, they've all been laughing, slapping backs. I've seen lots of hugs, um, and you know, even a few tears. I've seen, and um, I just think you, you guys are an absolute credit, and the squadron. Um, Every member of the squadron should be proud of, of the association. It's it's a marvellous, marvellous uh, group of people. Going right back to uh, Wakey Wakefield, uh, who joined the squadron in 1940, uh, or early 41, and on the Wellingtons, and he was here, he's still here downstairs at the moment, and, and right the way through to the last guys on the squadron. And, uh, you know, all I can say is congratulations and well done, and I, I hope the momentum that has been set this weekend will carry on and I also notice you're completely losing your voice now because of all the all the conversations over the weekend so yeah. we, we should probably wrap it up but well, thank you. There is, there is um, a great deal of, of, of um, uh, pride and prestige in this and uh, I, I, I have to point out that over the last eight years I've had some very capable people help and support what I've been trying to achieve. Yeah. And one of those gentlemen is Mel Douglas with his graphics and his artwork. And if it wasn't for the use of his artwork of all of our aircraft, um, I wouldn't have been able to make our lanyards, our ties, our banners, our ladies' scarves, um, and just recently brand new coin sets I've just had manufactured. Right. And uh, also then we get into cufflinks and um, lapel pins. So those designs I brought forward and utilised Mel's artwork. He I was so pleased to see he's got all of his graphic artworks on display there of the aircraft. He's uh, just such a special artist and anybody uh, that has got anything aviation related, not just 75, should really seek out some of his artwork because I think you'd be so amazed with that. Besides uh, Mel's uh, attendance here, we also had Bob Moore and editor uh, Des Underwood and they now have pretty much finished the biography of James Ward VC. Right. And that's been in the offering now for a long time. And Bob Morse was, is, is old enough to have said that he interviewed the crew of the night that James Ward crawled out onto the wing of that Wellington. So he's got so much history of that event and then that person. And, and one of the bucket list things for me to have done was to get to James Ward's grave in Hamburg and I achieved that two years ago in my photographing of all the 75 squadron graves throughout Europe and England. I do that every year. Yeah. I get around to do another bunch. Yeah. So to get to Ward's grave in Hamburg was, was one of mine. And um, and then there were several others there that had their books there relative to 75 squadron too and I, I just now need to um, help with other chaps looking at the history, and there's the, it's yourself, and there's um, uh, we, we've got several other gentlemen, uh, including bomber command folk, yeah. that have got so much to offer with our history, and and I, I really sincerely hope that we can get together on this, not just the association side, but four or five other people who have got a vested interest in history with the 75 uh, World War Two particularly, 
that uh, although it's been written and all its OIBs are all effectively there and anyone can access those, there's the um, intimate stories of, of individuals and crews and losses and families. Yeah. And um, I, I just hope that in the near future, very near future, we can all get together here and make a, a, a great volume. And hopefully it can be a coffee book volume, you know, a table, you know, a big glossy hardback. But uh, at the moment, uh, uh, the base history uh, p- put together uh, by the association and paid for uh, over the last 50 years, and it's researched by Colin Hansen and Ron McFarlane, uh, is available by um, uh, DVDs, uh, CD. Yeah. So, uh, and, and we're, we're selling those at a minimal cost to try and recover some of the money. But, but nonetheless, though, um, if people are interested, uh, then uh, they, need, they can only send me a message and, and say, hey, um, can we have a look at what's there so far? Yeah. And it's my hope that you and these other gentlemen and myself can get together and uh, we can actually produce this this glossy book that so many are asking for because yeah. a CD can go so far, a glossy book would just nail it. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, people can get hold of you through both Facebook and you've got a website as well for the association. Yes, there's an association website, and uh, my apologies, it's still very bare, but this coming 12 months a year, um, I'm going to dedicate and get help from even you, Dave, yes. to um, let's populate it, let's get stuff into it. Um, it's been the, um, the cornerstone of letting people know that the association is out there to start with. Yep. I've had it going for some years now. And... Um, and we also have a 75 Squadron Facebook page. It's an association one that I am the admin for. So you need to click you want to join it, but let me know why you want to join it because we've had some unsavory people try and I, I just basically won't let people in like that. Right. So it's for the families, it's for the current um, members, it's for the last serving and, um, and people that got uh, an interest in our, our squadron. Absolutely. And it's a very active and uh, very fulfilling uh, Facebook page too. Uh, and, and no doubt there's these people coming across from your site uh, and Bomber Command one and um, and they, we swap regularly with, with articles I know yep. and of course I, I certainly use it as my uh, tribute to the, our, our um, World War II uh, airmen that are falling uh, and, and any other people that recognise that they have a 75er uh, that, has, um, that has died and needs to be recognised and I'm more than willing if you give me send me a photograph and a brief history then this, this is just one form that we can recognise uh, our, our folks' uh, work with 75 Squadron over the years. Yeah, and keeping the history alive. Most certainly. Thank you very much, Glenn. Uh, all I can say is, once again, congratulations on a wonderful weekend, and thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Well, thanks, Dave. I understand that you really only were going to be here for Friday, but I know that now you've succumbed and stayed the whole weekend. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's been a pleasure to, to have you around and observe what's been going on here and uh, to be part of ours and... Uh, uh, our weekend too so thank you kindly mate thank you okay cheers right that was the wings over new zealand show with dave homewood
Tonight, babe, why don't you stay? 